Welcome to the Ashram Podcast, made possible by the American Society for Healthcare Risk Management to support efforts to advance safe and trusted healthcare through enterprise risk management. You can visit ashram.org slash membership to learn more and become an Ashram member. I'm Michael Carice. And we're going to start our program today with a pretty surprising and sobering statistic. More than half of people with mental illness in the United States don't receive help for their disorders. And according to the American Psychiatric Association, a chief cause is that people avoid or delay seeking treatment due to concerns about being treated differently or fears of losing their jobs and livelihood. So obviously stigma, prejudice, and discrimination against people with mental illness is still very much a problem. But there's good news on this front. The American Hospital Association has launched its new People Matter, Words Matter poster series to help combat behavioral health stigma in healthcare settings by encouraging providers to adopt respectful, patient-centered language. In the first poster, Linden Oaks Behavioral Health Services, a part of Edward Elmerst Health, provided information on using people-first language, which primarily acknowledges the person rather than the illness or disability. And we have two people involved in the project with us today to provide details. Gina Sharp is president of Linden Oaks Behavioral Health Services, and Dr. Kelly Ryan is director of social services and doctoral training. And welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. So first, I wanted to start by having you tell us a little bit about your professional backgrounds and your current roles at Linden Oaks. And Gina, maybe you can start. Great. Thank you, Michael. So I'm Gina Sharp, and my background is in community health and then went on to get some further education in an MBA in finance. I'm also a fellow in the American College of Healthcare Executives, and I am the president for Linden Oaks Hospital, but also am a system executive representing behavioral health across the Edward Elmhurst Healthcare Organization. And throughout my career here at Edward Elmhurst, one of my priorities has been to integrate behavioral health care with medical care. So addressing behavioral health has been really embedded throughout our system. Great. And Dr. Ryan, what about you? I am the Director of Social Services and Doctoral Training here at Linden Oaks. I've been here for about nine years. I oversee our social work, clinical therapy, rehab services, and our psychological training department. Before my work at Linden Oaks, I've worked at several hospital systems in the Chicagoland area. Well, good. It's nice to know what what folks are bringing to the table before we get underway with the substance. And really, the first question is, what initiated this work? Why did you guys get involved in addressing this topic? And uh, Gina, why don't you start? That'd be great. Thank you. So the vision for Edward Elmhurst Healthcare is to transform the healthcare experience, safe, seamless, and personal. And when we think through that vision, patient first language is critical to all three arms of this vision. At Linden Oaks, we've believed for many years on delivering patient-centered care. However, there have been many meetings in the past where physicians, leaders, and staff were using judgmental language either in conversation to the patient in the back room and even in documentation. Additionally, we really wanted to focus on improving our documentation really related to medical necessity as well too. So combining education in a series format to ensure we advocate for our patients 
in a non-judgmental fashion really became a priority. As we embarked on our three-year strategic plan, we knew we really wanted to focus on making this change. And at the time, the 21st Century Cures Act wasn't even on our radar. We just felt it was the right thing to do. And thankfully, we've been focusing on this initiative for a couple of years now because our patients are able to read their notes through open notes in our electronic medical record. And now that we have gone live with open notes, we've had a few instances where clinicians have documented language that patients have felt misunderstood. And having an educational platform to go back and give them coaching on what the right language to use is has been really important in ensuring that we're really delivering personal care and removing that stigma behind mental illness. Right. Dr. Ryan, what would you add to that? Yeah, I've been passionate about this topic for a long time, and and a lot of people don't know this idea of people-first language has been around for a very long time. It's actually been around since the 60s, and there's been a lot of work by advocacy groups for disabilities. In the 80s, it was added into some government practices. And it's just been a huge initiative towards compassionate care towards patients. The American Medical Association has actually required people-first language in medical journals since about 2007. And in my training, in my doctoral program, we learned this concept. But I did notice, you know, when you get out into the real world in clinical practice, while we're we're writing about our patients in this way. We're writing in people-first language and describing them as people-first with an illness or a disability second. There, there's a big difference between how we talk about them behind closed doors or even how we write about people in their charts. And the way that we speak about people to one another or the way that we write about people actually impacts their treatment outcomes. So it's really been my mission to advocate for this people-first language so that we can promote better medical outcomes. So break it down a little bit. I mean, in, in your own setting there at Linden Oaks, how did you go about developing these materials and doing the coaching that you referenced, Gina? Sure, absolutely. And I really think that this has to be driven as well by senior executives to embrace and endorse this cultural change, to promote it, to educate, as well as to hold people accountable to make sure that they're making those changes as well. And so we really started and embraced our leadership team on this concept and then identified who would really be our champion to help educate and promote this education to our team members. And in our case, we have Dr. Kelly Ryan here, who is incredibly passionate about this topic and really worked on developing the curriculum to educate. We then really focused on having some mandatory town halls. So we committed to our team by freeing them up to come to the educational sessions and dialogue about it because it, it's not just one-way communication. It's how do you help interpret and dialogue about this topic as well with our teams. And then we also broke it down and had some special meetings with our physicians, whether it was through our medical staff quarterly or at other provider meetings as well. And then I would say that Dr. Kelly Ryan really did the bulk of the lifting here in terms of rolling out the educational platform. So yes, Dr. Ryan, why don't you tell us some details about that? 
Yeah, along with the educational trainings, a lot of this was kind of boots on the ground, you know, with the leaders, whenever we have staff in a treatment team meeting, you know, if someone is describing another person, for example, as an addict, instead of a person with addiction, or or instead of that human that we're treating, we have a way of just kind of calling each other out here. And something that we did notice with our staff is a lot of times people use diagnosis first language or labeling in this sort of judgmental language when they're becoming a little burned out. So we do encourage our staff to kind of evoke empathy in one another and say, hey, you know, that person's been through a lot. Let's talk about what they might be going through or really encouraging one another to to take a break and just take some time for themselves so that they can kind of get away from this labeling language that we can use. So I believe I heard one of you say that it's been you know, a couple of years or at least a little while since you implemented this, what are you seeing? What's the impact? Gina? Yes. So, you know, what I am seeing throughout our culture is that patients and families are really feeling the difference in in how we care for them. And from a, a big picture perspective, our emergency departments have individuals coming to them for psychiatric care. They're coming, they're walking into our hospital in our facility. And when individuals need inpatient care, they will wait until we have a bed available for them to come to our organization. And I do believe that we're viewed as a destination place for individuals to come and receive their behavioral health needs because of the fact that we do treat our patients with human kindness, not only in our actions, but also in our language that we use towards them and write about them. And Dr. Ryan, I want to get to the work you've done with the American Hospital Association on the People Matter Words Matter poster series. Tell us about that and um, how that rollout's going. Yeah, so we just took this concept of people-first language that we've been unrolling at Linden Oaks, and we created a great poster, Words Matter, People-First Language, and it just gives some great examples of how to refer to people as a person first, and it's pretty simple. So, Really, it could go with any medical diagnosis. Instead of calling someone a diabetic, call them a person with diabetes, right? Label them as a person first. When you think of using that label first, all kinds of judgments and really stigma can come to your mind. I'm sure when I describe a diabetic to you, you might think of someone who has trouble managing their blood sugar, maybe struggles with obesity, But if I describe Jane, you know, a working mother who struggles with diabetes, you're more likely to be empathic towards that person. So I've been working with the AHA on a poster and some blogs, really just to simplify how to do this, because it's really, it's not that hard and it makes such a big difference. What do you think the obstacle has been? I mean, you talked about it's been embedded in training for quite some time now, Mm -hmm. and it's in the literature and it's, you know, pervasive, but Mm -hmm. in practice, it's a little harder to make it happen. How come? I think there's several factors that go into that, to be honest. I think it's hard to change an overall culture. I think a lot of our more experienced physicians and nurses are, are used to a hospital culture where we did label people by their diagnosis. Another thing that can contribute is time. Our brains have a way of creating shortcuts. And I think when there are all of these regulatory requirements, it's hard to have the time to spend with our patients and to look at every person as an individual. But we need to make the effort because if we were the one sitting in the chair in the doctor's office, 
we would want to be looked at as a whole person and not as a label. Sure. You know, and to add on to that a little bit, I would also say that when you think about TV shows, movies that people watch, our culture is really embedded in in how somebody with a mental illness may be described. And so trying to overcome those barriers as well that our staff and our physicians watch at home in their personal lives and then breaking that cycle here in the hospital to really focus on the person is really important. And so I think really focusing on person-centered language is critical. One, not just for our patients who are receiving the care, but also for those who may feel the stigma that is behind mental illness and trying to break that so that they could feel it's important for them to receive care and feel good about receiving the care when they're ready to take that step. So as we wrap up here, I wanted to get both of you to weigh in on how you would advise others to start on this work and particularly keeping in mind what the barriers were that you experienced. And Gino, do you want to start? Sure. I would recommend have the discussions. The first step is bringing it forward at your leadership meeting and talking about it and making sure that your leaders are on board with this change as well. And then from there, you're able to permeate that down to the rest of your teams and your staff and physicians because the buy-in at the higher level is there to also help people stay on track and be held accountable and have those coaching moments with the team members as well. Dr. Ryan? I agree with that. And then I would also say for the the direct line staff, really connecting to the why. You know, most of us came into this field because we are empathic, compassionate individuals who wanted to help people. And the labels and the stigmatizing is really the opposite of why we came into this field. And so looking at people as a whole person first is really just the right thing to do. So I think when people think about that and understand that, they're more likely to put in the effort of why we might use people first language and provide compassionate care. Right. And I'm sure it matters to outcomes, too, if people are feeling secure and not judged. Absolutely. There are actually a lot of studies on that, that the physician and the staff attitudes impact patient outcomes. I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap it up there, but I want to thank you both very much for joining us and providing all this great wisdom for folks. We've been talking to Dr. Kelly Ryan and Gina Sharp, both of Linden Oaks Behavioral Health Services, a part of the Edward Elmhurst Health System. Thanks very much. Thank Thank you so much. For more information on the People Matter, Words Matter poster series, you can go to www.aha.org slash people matter, words matter. This podcast is made possible by the American Society for Healthcare Risk Management to support efforts to advance safe and trusted healthcare through enterprise risk management. You can visit ashram.org slash membership to learn more and become an Ashram member. I'm Michael Carice. Thanks for listening.